You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, everybody? This is Clark Schmidt here, pitcher for the New York Yankees, and you are listening to the boys of 161st Street, the greatest Yankee podcast in the world. Thank you guys for tuning in. All right, welcome back to the boys of 161st Street, episode 200. I didn't even realize it's episode 200. Sorry for being a little delayed on the uh the episode out here i'm in vermont as you can, might be able to tell in this episode dog shit so i apologize for that uh ahead of time we're trying to work through these growing pains i'm uh there's not a lot of wi-fi out here in vermont but the fellas are making it happen the yankees are winning a lot of baseball games and i mean it's a pretty good day to be a yankee fan so how are you guys doing i'm good i'm glad that you're testing out some of the wi-fi issues that i've had in the past doesn't not as fun as you might think no it's no. not fun i can tell you that from experience as well um yeah it's not a good time also a little bit of a disappointment on our end that episode 200 we're missing one of the four and we're all just sitting here talking over each other with delayed connection but that's okay. Bre- rella's wearing a wife beater there's a lot going on well there's this is just gonna be an audio only podcast so people don't need to see that and it's not a wife beater so it's just a regular tank top yeah Mm. anywho if it looks like a duck it talks like a duck so what was the last series that we're recapping right now because we, we have well, game one we have game one against the orioles that we have already seen to this point right now it's tuesday before the game uh we may add some closing comments after the game who knows but uh we're recapping the white Sox series as well as the first game of the orioles series yankees uh do don't sweep the white Sox series they win two out of the no three out of the four excuse me it was a four game series and the first game against the Orioles. I mean, right off the bat, one talking point that I wanted to get into was Jonathan Loisigo. That's been a season-long uh, thing that we've been talking about for a while now, and I wanted to officially not maybe press the panic meter, but, like, let's just address the elephant in the room here. Is like, what's your level of concern with Jonathan Loisigo? Because everybody else on the team so far to this point has been uh, nothing but fucking unbelievable on the pitching side at least. I know obviously the offense had the it's look at the season as a whole right now. And you see that we had literally the most historically bad start to an offensive season in the first couple of weeks of the season. And now we're, when you look at this, there's a graphic that I saw the other day or today that was, we have now one, two, three, four, five, six, the seventh best record uh, through 35 games in the wild card era, which is since 1995. So when you take that into consideration where we're at right now versus the worst historic start to an offensive season in Yankee history, it's kind of wild. But like I said, going back to the, the pitching side of the ball here, everybody else is seemingly the best they've ever been. And Loazaga is the one who 
really has been shaky this year. So what's your level of concern with him? I would say like out of 10, let's get the scale out of the way first, since that seems to be a hot button issue all the time. Out of 10 or 100? 10. Okay, out of 10, I would say like a 5.7. Like I, it's, it's concerning, but it's not like his stuff's lost anything. He's just like missing one pitch out over the plate here or there, and it just happens to be doing damage. But he's still inducing a lot of soft contact, like – that the other night he's getting base runners on and shit like that. And it's just, you know, weak bloops or, or he's walking guys, his pitches still look sharp and he's not missing by much. I think, you know, as long as he can kind of find his command, which I have full trust in Matt Blake that he can, and he can fix that. Then I, I think by the all-star break, this, this conversation will be gone. I, I really, I, I'm a little concerned obviously just cause you know, he's last year, he was our best reliever by far, but I, I I don't know. I'm not freaking out or anything. It's not like Chad Green who's throwing 94 just down the dick. Also, can you guys hear that ding? Just making sure you can cannot. Okay, cool. Um, I think the yeah the biggest concern is for me at least the walks. I feel like that wasn't much of an issue last year, and that was part of the reason he was so dominant. And like you said, Chandler, his stuff's there where Chad Green's isn't, and I think that's a key difference obviously he's pitched with really good command before hasn't walked a lot of guys in the past and that's, you know, where he's been dominant. I think he's just struggling a little bit and I think he can find it. Whereas if he lost a little bit of bite to his fastball, that kind of thing, that's a different conversation. Yeah. I mean, you look at it right now, I'm looking at his baseball savant Murph, as you're very familiar with that website. Um, you look at his average exit velocity. This is against uh, he's 99th percentile. So he's getting soft contact. Like you said, uh, his chase rate is 96th percentile. Fastball velocity is 95th percentile. Whiff percentage 81st. A lot of red on this sheet here. There is a lot of blue in the areas that you would probably expect. Me and the fellows like to play the game where it's like, guess that, guess that baseball savant page. And if I showed you this page, it's probably exactly what you think. It's a lot of the, the you know, for lack of a better word, life metrics are the ones that you can see are very red like the ones with live fastball live spin rate live break all that stuff and all the command ones are all blue like bet walk percentage is 10th percentile uh just expected batting he's actually getting hit a lot the expected batting average is pretty bad it's 33rd so that is the only metric that i and expected era is 25th percentile so those expected are all pretty bad that's probably just a matter of the command like he walks walking a ton right now his so, walk rate is up so last year his walk rate was 5.7 percent and then this year so far 13.6 that's just very very different season to season and i think that's going to come down i don't think he's going to finish the year with a 13.6 walk rate but one goes with the other because it's hard when you're especially when you're a young guy like that like you're putting yourself in trouble and then you're expecting batting average is going to go up when you have to worry about runners on base late in the game it's just the way it works it's literally it's literally his highest ever even his bad years where we were that's actually crazy when you look at that like his bad years where i I always have this burn in my brain where he's going against the Astros and he walks the bases loaded and it's just a whole big fucking situation. And even in those years, his walk percentage was 11.1, 11.5. He brought it down in 2020, but that was a shortened season. 2021 was 5.7. And then from 5.7 to 13.6, like you said, Murphy's just ridiculous. 
I will say over his last seven appearances, he actually is doing a lot better. And the fact that his walk rate's still this high and he's still able, able to produce to, I mean, last seven, he's got an ERA of three, three, eight, which obviously isn't like lights out. But if you're walking that many runners and your walk rate's still that high, honestly, he's not even walking that many people anymore. He's got what three walks in his last seven appearances, which isn't great, but like he's bringing that, that walk rate that you guys are just talking about is inflated from a really, really bad start. And then now he's bringing that down and you're kind of seeing the pieces fall back in place. He's given up the ERA, the concerning numbers come from like, you know, ill-timed home runs. And if you throw a hundred miles an hour and you put the bat on the ball, you're going to hit a, give up home runs here and there. That's just how it is. It was down a lot last year, like not at a sustainable rate. You know, I think his home run, he gave up three home runs last year, something like that. Obviously that's not sustainable every year going forward, but you know, cut back on some of these just really, really badly timed home runs that are coupled with the walks. And he's, he's like, like we've all said, he's still got the electric stuff. Everything looks good. It's just a matter of finishing the outing, coming out there and just being lights out from top to bottom and just not walking people, not giving up the ding, like little dinker hits and then topping it off with a home run. Just, and he's, he's doing that. He looked really good the other night against the White Sox outside of the home run, uh, or maybe it was last night against the Orioles, I think is what it was, which, you know, it's not saying much. It's the Orioles. They can't hit fucking anything, but it, it, I don't know. His command looked good. His pitches look good. Everything's still looking good. That's why I'm just, you know, I'm not ready to hit the panic meter. Again, it's not Chad Green doing this with diminished velocity, not locating, not sharp pitches. He's not throwing flat fastballs. His shit's moving. It's just a matter of missing your spot by a few inches, which, you know, like we all said, I expect him to dial that in. I and hate he, Chad he, Green he too, is. but I, he is dialing it. So in I, too, I just it. love. I hate Chagrin too. I just love how you find a way to bring him into everything. It's just... well, who else is bad in the bullpen right now? I mean, you could talk about Chapman too, but I'm sure we'll get into that because that's a whole entire thing that needs to be discussed. So, I mean, outside of Chapman, as of the last four or five games, Loizaga's big, you know, bulk of the season, excuse me, and Chad Green, everybody else in the bullpen has been fucking lights out. I mean, who else am I going to compare him to? Mike King, who's having a historic year. Clay Holmes, who's going to get Cy Young votes at this fucking pace. I mean, Wandy Peralta has got almost a one flat ERA. I'm I mean, why don't we why don't we get into that then? Because okay. I, honestly, I remember Michael Kay talking about this in the broadcast in the last game. He was mentioning like, who do you think is going to close tonight? Mike, was it going to be Clay Holmes or is it going to be Raldis Chapman? They ended up bringing Raldis Chapman up. It wasn't a close situation or safe situation, but they brought him up anyway. But I mean. Clay Holmes is has some of the highest usage. When they bring up the bullpen budget, that that graphic that they always bring up, like Clay Holmes routinely has that's that's a week span of games, and he routinely has four days of usage on the chart, and everybody else has at most three. I mean, he's he's being used the most, and I mean, it's just there's for good reason. He's literally, like you said, potentially gonna get Cy Young votes, and it's just crazy to see. I mean, right now. I know it's Araldis Chapman. He's getting paid a lot to close games. We've already seen Boone have a, a shorter leash with him, so it's not it's it's not a matter of like pedigree or like oh he's Araldis Chapman. We're gonna keep him in there to close. Like no, they've already showed they have le- lack of faith in him, or maybe not lack of faith. Maybe a different word to use is just like more like they have other people that can and will close games. And Clay Holmes is one of those guys. And I mean, right now at, on this podcast. Who would you rather see close games? I personally probably would want to see Clay Holmes close games. He's been more dominant and he's 
he's just the new shiny toy right now. It's like, it's, I don't even think it's particularly close, but I think it's just Raul Chapman's name that you kind of have to have in close games almost, but I feel like that's a little silly to say. Clay Holmes hasn't given up a run since opening day. Since opening day, he has not given up a run. He has a 0.49 ERA. I'm just saying, like, I don't, it would not surprise me if Damon's hot take came true. And maybe even then some that come postseason time, that Jonathan or not Jonathan the Wise guy, Clay Holmes is closing playoff games. Dude, I, I just looked at his his baseball savant. It's the silliest thing I've ever There's seen. Ran in my life. All over. Oh Dude, my it god. Su- it would not surprise me. That's what I'm saying. He's so dominant. And I really it's Aroldis Chapman's last year. They're not gonna re-sign him. They're paying him what? Somewhere between fifteen and eighteen million dollars right now. Aroldis Chapman's not gonna be a Yankee next year. And if he is, it's gonna be in a hugely diminished capacity. He's not going to be the everyday closer, if he agrees to even come back in that role next year. I don't, there's not a world that I see a role to Chapman coming back as a closer next year. So why not? That's, and I think that they're serious about winning a world series this year. We'll find out more at the deadline assuming everything kind of stays the same, but right now they look like legitimate world series contenders. And I, I just, the bottom line is you can't have a role to Chapman closing games in October as it sits right now. He could go on another dominant stretch where nobody's ever seen anything like it again he did that last year for two or three months where he was literally the most dominant pitcher to ever play the game he put up a stat line that was just you know otherworldly nobody we were were talking about we were talking about this being the best version of Raldis Chapman that we've ever seen and I think it was correct that was when he introduced the sinker which he honestly it's funny we we mentioned that now yeah he is not throwing it a lot this year the The sinker the splitter the splitter the splitter splitter. splitter's 15 percent that's that's high for him i remember k saying something on the broadcast that he hadn't thrown a splitter up until the point that he mentioned for like the last like seven outings or something like that regardless i don't think he's using it as much as he was last year when he when he was so absolutely crazily dominant dominant but he's using it more than he was last year okay good i mean as he should be it's a nasty pitch it's his literal nastiest pitch but i mean the one bugaboo with with Clay Holmes was his walking potentially coming on. That's why nobody really cared about him. And he was just kind of a diamond in the rough Walk percentage, 95th percentile. Like his, his whip is 0.7. If you want to go by a, a more uh, standard baseball metric. And I mean, if you want to go by the most standard baseball metric is a 0.49 ERA. He's just absolutely dominant. He's got about a strikeout K per nine. He's got 18 strikeouts in eight in 18.1 innings. So okay. nobody can nine, touch his it's a nine strike per nine. A nine K per nine. Nobody can touch a sinker. It's just that's he throws it eighty percent of the time, and nobody nobody can touch it. It's kind of why. like he's got kind of like a an older, you know, when Zach Britton was that dominant. I knew you know what say. was it twenty sixteen? That's what he was doing. It was sinker slider, and it was hard to tell which one's going where. And that's all he's doing. He's throwing exclusively a two ball pitcher sinker slider, and his curveballs three pitches. He's thrown three curveballs all year. So that's washed it out good, honestly. Like his, his slider great. is not bad. I, I that's why I have so much confidence in him to come in in high leverage spots is because he's an effective sinker ball pitcher. It's not like Zach Britton, who was a sinker pitcher, but a dog shit one. I, his numbers were fine, but his peripherals were terrible. He walked a bunch of people. Clay Holmes is what Zach Britton was supposed to be when we opted in for his $14 million. Zach Britton is that guy, that version of Zach Britton, that, or Clay Holmes is that guy, that version of Zach Britton that we were hoping to get. And this is, I mean, he comes in with runners on, and he can get 
double plays easily. That's why I, I've just I feel so much more comfortable with him than anybody else in the bullpen right now, especially when he's coming in to relieve somebody with guys on in a tight spot in a close game. He's not throwing flat fastballs. He's not. He's got that pitch that is literally tailor made to induce double plays, and he throws it. What What did you say, Murph? Eighty eight percent of the time. I mean, that's his bread and butter pitch. He throws it a hundred fucking miles an hour. So, I, I he's made for that role and he's now coming into his own he's not walking people and like i said he is zach Britton, but he's what zach Britton was supposed to be gun to your head game seven world series again against whoever going for the save up one run play homes the only person that sweats more than chapman when he's pitching is me because he scares the hell out of me every time he's on the mound so i I don't even think I, i think that question is more of like a it's like a formality to Chapman almost like he has been the closer. So you kind of have to, it's hard to, to dethrone the King. Like he's, I use that word very loosely because he's not the King, but he's been the closer for so long that it's, it's a little bit weird to think that you could potentially not be, especially to a guy play Holmes who was just picked up off the scrap heap. And it's just, it's just weird to me. I, I'm fully behind Clay Holmes being that guy. And we, it's not like it's unheard of that we're removing, potentially removing Chapman from this role. We were, we've been talking about Loisga taking over for the last two years now. So uh, I think with Loisga taking a little bit of a, a step backwards to at least to start the season and Clay Holmes being literally the most dominant pitcher in baseball. I mean, he's, he's going up there and his, his baseball savant as well as his regular statistics and everything like that looks like that of Josh Hader right now. Like Josh Hader who hasn't allowed a run in, I think I sent that stat since July 26th of last year, which is ridiculous, but it's just, it's crazy and it's undeniable. You can't, I, I mean, it's just, it's wild. It's wild. He's, I will tell you I, what, in my mind, he's absolutely the closer. And I, and I hope to see in the coming game him be the guy to close games. I wasn't on board with your take um, the other day of whatever it was trying to get a closer or whatever, you know, you wanted to get a closer at the deadline and you were willing to pay a hefty price for it. I think after the last few games, I am, I, I think I've seen enough of Chapman. It's not even, you know, like we said, his numbers aren't bad. It's not like he's just lighting up the world like he did in June and July of last year, where he was literally blowing every game he touched. But well, you want to talk I, about people that walk. Well, like I'm just, we I'm, I'm just saying he doesn't throw strikes like, and it's not, it's not even necessarily walks. It's he puts himself in counts to where he can't possibly be effective. He doesn't throw 105 anymore. When he puts himself in a three Oh count, every single batter, he may not get walk. This isn't reflected on a stat sheet necessarily, but when you're in a three Oh count every single time, like, like the other night when the white Sox walked us off, he was behind in the count. He had just walked two batters, and he was behind the count 3-0, or he walked a batter, gave up a hit, same fucking difference. And he was behind the count, and you're forced to throw strikes when there's one out, and you're walking everybody and behind every count, and there's runners on base. You're forced to throw strikes, and you're forced to not make your best pitch, which 
he's forced to do when he does that. And that, like I said, it may not be necessarily reflected on the stat sheet as a walk or a hit. Or Well, I guess it does show up as a hit, but it, it's just being behind in the counts and not being able to throw and not being able to really dot the corners and do what you need to do to be, in effect, a major league pitcher. It, it, like I said, he doesn't throw 105. If you're throwing 95, 96 like he is now most of the time, and you're just throwing it down the dick to get a plate, a ball over the plate, then you're not effective. You cannot be an effective major league pitcher if you're throwing fastballs, which is his main pitch, and you're behind in the count every single time. It just doesn't work. You can't do it. Or else you become Chad Green. So let's make Great. this. A, let's make. Go ahead, Sorry, just wanted to point out that he only has a two thirteen ERA. Somehow. Yeah. The fact, like the fact that we're Mike this, King from the bullpen. We're this. We're this sold on him not being the closer anymore to be replaced by. It's um, different though. It's very no. I know it's different. It's just funny because you can't look at just ERA for that kind of thing. Because we were talking last month yeah. about Jordan Romano being the best closer in baseball, and he's gotten smacked around in the last month, and now his ERA is up over a three, three five, something like that. Yeah, relief, if reliever ERA. His, if you look at his baseball savant, Romano, I'm just gonna without going anything. Blue, 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 red, white, white, red, red. That's like, why yeah. we're talking about I'm him being the best about, closer in baseball. That's why I'm not month. concerned about Loisega is even despite his ERA being over five is it's just a Luke likes to talk about his field test. When you see Loisega come in the game, I still feel confident when I see that first pitch come out at 99 with 12 inches of tail. I'm like, okay, I still, I still feel pretty good when I see a role Chapman and Loisega is not missing like Chapman does when Chapman misses, he fucking misses. He misses the zone by two feet. Loisega's pitches are still believable when they're not strikes. Chapman's are nowhere close. When he Chapman's missing, he's throwing it over the catcher's head. He's spiking it 12 feet in front of the plate. Like I just, I don't know. You cannot be effective like that. That's like I said, you want to talk about the field test? I still feel confident when the Weizig is in there because he's not missing by much and his pitches still are nasty. No, I agree with you. It's even Trevino can't steal a strike from Chapman. That's for Chapman. I Rello, once you pointed that out that he frames that well, I I notice it. So I think I mentioned it on a previous episode recently, but like and I compare it so it's worth saying again. I, I, I swear to God, last night watching, just in the first, like, five innings probably, just starters on the mound, I'd say at least three Yankees are punched out if Trevino's catching for the Orioles. Yeah. Like, he, he had a low zone. He wasn't calling anything, you know, too high. There were a bunch that were – I mean, obviously, we don't go by the little box on the screen, but there were, like, three or four ball fours or ball threes with two strikes that were in that white. Yeah, let's make this let's make this a full pitching podcast today. Um, I saw this question going around, and here's the question too: it's it's a double question, potentially a triple question. It's a one A, B, and C, as Chandler likes to say. It's you know the, initially the question was game two playoff game. Who are you starting, Luis Severino or Mr. Cortez? That got such overwhelming response to say like, you mean Garrett and. Luis Severino because everybody wants Nestor Cortez to go game one. Do you think like, is this, I'm going to throw that question away because I think regardless game two will be either like, well, here's the thing. Here's a statement. And then I'll follow up with the question. It's Garrett game two will be either of Nestor Cortez or Garrett Cole. I think Luis Severino at this very moment, if it stopped it season ended today, game three would go to net to Luis Severino. Because I Cortez. think Nestor Cortez has been that great. And I think 
okay, we can get into that conversation. But game one, I put up the poll 50-50 split on who's starting. It, it's That's what the fans said. I, I would still go with Garrett Cole personally, obviously. I don't, and I don't it's even, not even I don't, close. I it's not, not a close. Question. It's not, it's not a question, but it's just, it's a little bit crazy to see the, the public opinion is that like, it's a little bit more I, of a, a I guaranteed you. In, yes. One month, one month of dominance also dating back to last year, Nestor has been nasty and he's been, he's going to get us. I think it's going to be the second game of a playoff series, but I mean, you pay a man. $124 million. And he's, and it's not like he's having a fucking bad year. He's having a great year. He's had three or four good starts in a row after a bad start to the season. It's a, r- a little ridiculous to say that Nestor Cortez as dominant as he's been is going to take the mound before Garrett Cole. I mean, I if, if that's you, the case, then what are we doing here? No, I can tell you why I feel like I'm not even going to entertain that. Cause there's no, there's 0% chance that that would ever happen. So, um, but for game two, I think, I don't think that Seve necessarily even gets, you know, preferential treatment at this point. He hasn't played in two or three years. It's not like you, it's not like it's 2018. For game three, you're saying? For game two. Like, I Oh, no, I I wasn't even saying. I I said if Garrett Cole is game one, Nesta Cortez lock and loaded game two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're talking about Seve for game three. And like you said, Murph, that's not even up. That's up for debate also. Tyone's been done. Montgomery's been dominant. We haven't really get run support support for him, so we probably don't want to do that because apparently the Yankees just will not score yeah. for him no matter what, even though he's been a very, very productive, pretty dominant pitcher, honestly. I, I just think Sevy, and as a fantasy owner of Sevy, other than last game, he's been pretty average. He's not lighting up the scoreboard. He's given up the last three outings before that. He's given up at least three or four runs. I get it. It's like a late home run or something like that. Puts it over the top, and you don't want to look at earned runs. Well, determine whether or not he's doing good. You look at the serve metrics, you look at everything else you look at, but he's really not, he didn't hit like he's getting, I know it's early and he's going to get better potentially over the season. But when, when there's other guys that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Seve's being bad. I'm saying you look at the rest of the people on the staff who are fucking unbelievable right now. And those guys are going to get the nod over him. Is that fair? Seve looks like a guy who's coming off of Tommy John and three missed years, and he's doing a damn good job of it. There's, I have zero complaints yes. about Seve. I have zero complaints about him whatsoever. No, that he, wasn't a complaint pitching, again. That wasn't, if he's pitching that wasn't a complaint. Well, let me, I know, but if he's pitching this well right now and he hasn't thrown since what, 20, like an actual season since the beginning of 2019, 2018, then I'm, I'm totally confident with him going forward. But what I was saying before was I think that these other guys get the nod. And I don't think that Seve was, I don't think coming into the season that Seve was penciled in as a two starter. I think that he was treated just like essentially a minor leaguer getting a highly touted prospect, getting called up. He's got a short leash, not because he's not talented, but because he's been hurt. He's got all these different things that he's dealt with over the past few years. I think he comes in on a level playing field with everybody else. Like I, he's not, it's not 2018 and he's coming out here with a mid threes ERA. He hasn't thrown in three years and he's got a mid threes, mid threes ERA, which is still not bad. He is playing well. He's doing more than serviceable than what he needs to do. But that's, that's all I'm getting as I don't think anything is gifted to him anymore just because it's been so long, but I don't know. Yeah. All right, let's do hot or not. So today, actually, Chandler's going to read the hots because my connection is clearly awful. You guys are listening to the podcast, so I don't need to tell you guys that. I apologize for that, but I'll pass the torch for this time and this time only to Chandler to do the hots. So read off the hots, and Murph can do the hots. I'll do the knots, and go ahead. 
Okay. Well, Close I appreciate doors. that. Those are some very big words from you. So thank you very much, Murph. Uh, well, I guess we'll get started with the hots with you. Okay. So first up on the hot list, Joey Gallo over his last 15 is on base percentage is 352 slugging over 560 WRC plus of 172 and five home runs. Uh, definitely. Uh, I don't know if he's going to hold that up. I hope so. I really hope so. I don't know if I buy it though. Okay. Josh Donaldson over his last 15, batting 309 on base over 415, slugging 527, WRC plus 184, and he's got three home runs. I don't know how much I buy that either, but I, I really hope, again, I hope. Like, the, the thing is, both of those, you know they can hit like that. It's will they keep it up. Okay, and last one, Miguel Castro. Just wanted to give him a little bit of love. He was on Rob Friedman for having the nastiest pitch of the night with like 19 inches of run over his last four outings. He's thrown five innings. He has a 2.5 FIP. He's left 100% of runners on base that he's inherited. He has a zero ERA, and he has six strikeouts in those five innings. Just another tool in the box. Looks great. I buy it. All right. Let's chat about him. You don't believe Joey Gallo? It's not. I wouldn't say that I don't believe Joey Gallo. Um, I think that um, he isn't the. Uh, you know what? The Joey Gallo thing is a little bit different than the Josh Donaldson thing. I think like Josh Donaldson, at his best, can hit three oh nine and can hit a home run here or there. Can get on base a lot. Joey Gallo, I'm not. What did what you say his batting average was, or did you not mention that? I didn't mention it for a reason. So I think that okay. this, I say he's hot because I think he's doing more or less what we brought him in to do. He's hitting like 230, but he's okay. still he's still getting on base, you know, 35 percent of the time, 350. He's slugging almost 600. He's hitting home runs. He's walking. He's playing good defense outside of him trying to fucking eat the ball in left field last night. That's why I put him on there, and that's I. I that's why I buy it. I don't know, Luke. I, I think I think I was gonna say Donaldson. I, I think Donaldson's gonna be very good. But J Joey Gallo, I know because I know Chandler likes to shit on Donaldson so much. Um, I was just taking a look, and I wanted to get it. That this is a good time to bring him up because I wanted to get a temperature check on him because I know they felt about him. He's just the worst. But I mean, you look at last year's sabermetrics and he is, it's all red. He had a great year last year, very productive hitter. I think at a 150 ish WRC plus. I mean, you look at that and look at his sabermetrics this year. He's barreling the balls up. He's got a lot of exit velo. He's got a lot of hard hit percentage. He's walking a ton. And that's why you saw him leading off games before. They, they know he can work the count and get an, get a good at bat. He obviously didn't show that at, at first in the season, but like he, you look at his, his cumulative numbers to this point, he's batting 246, which isn't bad considering how bad he was in the beginning. So he's getting those numbers up. And I mean, the server magics look good. I think, and I said too, like the steamers projections for the rest of the year, um, they have Josh Donaldson projected at a 130 WRC plus, which is very, very good. And I think that's a slight decrease from last year, which is, which is totally fine, but that's still a very productive hitter. And they have Aaron judge going down the list for steamless steamer projections. Judge 164 WRC plus on Carlos Sen 143 136 Gallo 134 Glaber 130 Donaldson 130 DJ 117 114 don't believe that and Isaiah Connor for level 102 being an average hitter because he's not terrible like Chandler likes to Never say, say he's terrible. he just, says he's not good which is true he's but I'm good. just which saying is, so which means he's average <laughs> 
Yes, fine. I know. And that's an average number and that's fine. But I'm just saying, I think I'm completely, I, I know I'm not doing the hots, but I'm completely buying that Donaldson is going to be a productive hitter for us for the rest of the year. Uh, for Gallo, I also think the same. And I, and I like that he didn't include batting average because he's, he's never been good at that. He won't be good at that. He means that he's going to be a productive hitter. He's going to have a good OPS. He's going to have a good OPS plus. He's going to get on base. He's starting to hit home runs now. I think he got the monkey off his back. I, I think I'd buy both of those. But specifically, I want to put a lot more stock in Donald's because I think he caught a lot of shit from everybody, especially people on this podcast, and especially me also. Like Rightfully so. Hard. He deserved he, it. He was very hard to watch. That's what I was going to say. He was very hard to watch. He deserved it. But I think, you know, he also, we, we talk about people switching teams all the time. He's, an, he's a veteran, so you wouldn't expect it to be that big of a difference. He hasn't really played for a big market team ever. I mean, he played in Toronto and then Cleveland. Did he play in Cleveland? He played Atlanta. in Atlanta, which I get. I guess that's considered a semi-big market, but it's really not. I like mean, they won the World Series. Minnesota. Minnesota. I think Donaldson is going to be one of those guys. He's going to be in the, the middle to back of the order, which is fine. And he's going to be very productive in that spot. And I think he's going to be one of the reasons why this team can go very, 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 very far in the playoffs, if not win a World Series. Because when you have a guy like him batting 6-7, like that's, that's pretty unbelievable considering how but he's, he's a professional hitter. And, and him being so bad and making the not list as much as he did and having such a high K percentage, which he doesn't usually have, that's not going to, as as our friend BJ likes to say, he was due for some positive regression. And I think that's happening right now. I will say this just real quick to wrap it up uh, for Donaldson because I've been one of the biggest people to shit on him. I'm mad enough to admit when I'm wrong. I don't know that I'm necessarily wrong for the whole season. I hope I am because I think Josh Donaldson is – you know, like you said, one of those X factors, because he's going to be in the middle of that lineup every single day. If he obviously I'm not expecting him to keep this up, but if he can be somewhere in the middle ground of just fucking worthless, like he was at the beginning and how he has been over the last 15, then I think that that's just I mean, that's huge. We need that. We need that out of the middle of our lineup. So Miguel Castro, anybody want to touch on that? I buy it. I mean, he's got the stuff and he's got Matt Blake. So the reason I bought that was because <clears throat> as opposed to the other two is that the other two, it's they're just keeping up to the ex. They're finally living up to the expectations that we already had Castro. Nobody expected anything. I didn't expect him to be any better than um, what's his name. Jolie Rodriguez, who we gave away for him. Like I texted my friend who's a Mets fan. And I said, Hey, uh, how good's Castro? He goes sucks. And then my friend texts me back. How's uh, what's his name? Jolie. Jolie sucks. Cool. We just traded bad relievers. And now here he is doing that. Like Joey's having a bad year too. So we very much so won that deal. So um, far. So far. I mean, he, he looks good. He, he looks like a fear version of Clay Holmes. What, like what he was promised to be coming over, like a lot of inaccuracy and he has a lot of life on, on his pitch. Dude, I cannot so far, believe he's been, that he's six, seven. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. He's, he looks like, I think, I don't know if somebody on the broadcast said it, but he looks like Kevin Durant, just how skinny and tall he is. Yeah, I don't know. No, uh, he's a unit. I need him to be good. If he's good, then that's just another weapon we have to, you know, take the burden off guys like Clay Holmes. So, all right, let's move into the knots. Uh, let me kind of, you know, get to wrapping up here. That way we can move on to watching the game and actually being able to report on that rather than just reading that Aaron Judge double and got thrown out a third. So, First up on the not list, we've brushed on him a little bit today. Mr. Aroldis Chapman over his last four outings. He has an ERA north of eight, a FIP of seven on the dot. He's giving up almost three home runs per nine. He's walking almost six per nine, and opponents are hitting 333 against him. 
I mean, I'm going to buy that. I, I don't think I'm not very high on Chapman for the rest of the year, uh, but we could talk more about that in a sec. Okay. And then the last one on the knots, just because it's pretty hard to have a long knot list when you're the only team in baseball without double digit losses. But Mr. Aaron Hicks over his last 15, he's batting 156 with a 74 WRC plus he's slugging under 200 and he's striking out almost once per game. I'm going to buy that too. Um, yeah. I'm... All right. And, and specific now I'll talk about it. Like we yeah, talked about Chapman a ton. Not, so. Yeah. We'll talk about Chapman. We've talked about Chapman a ton already. So I think that he, he, I mean, he's getting hit. I mean, he could have, he's a very streaky pitcher. We have a lot of streaky hitters. Like we've mentioned many times, he's one of those on the other side of the ball. That's a streaky pitcher. Um, he could have a month and completely flip the script and change our mind and just be, and, and this is flip the script. This isn't to say he's been the worst pitcher in the world. Like he's, he's, he's very productive. He's just getting hit more than he's used to be. And, and my buy is more so the fact of like, I'm buying that he's not unhittable dominant Chapman anymore. I, I think that he's, he's still going to be a productive reliever. He's going to be wild as he always has been, but I think him being wild paired with getting hit a lot more is not a really a good combo. And I think when you have, and it's more so a buy that he, the, he's available. It, his, his spot to be closer is it's got a target on its back right now that I'll say he's, he hasn't lost it, but there is very much a target on his back. And there are two guys. If Loisga can pick it back up, he's obviously behind the eight ball a little bit in that department right now. Uh, he can certainly take it by the year's end. And I think Clay Holmes, I, I honestly, we've talked about it many times. I think by year's end, Clay Holmes is going to be the closer. I'll double down on Damon's hot take. I think after, after more than a month, month and a half in now, Clay Holmes being the dominant guy that he is and just seeing that Chapman just doesn't look like he's, he's, he's confident out there. Like he, he's, he's not the same Chapman where it's like, yeah, I'm a lot better than you are. I'm going to do the Chapman stare after I strike you out. Like he, he just, it, I don't feel that same energy from him. So I don't know. That's just me. But I, I and that's not to say that he's the worst. I'm saying he's still a very productive reliever. He's one of the best in baseball right now. And that's just more so a, uh, a commendment to our bullpen as a whole. And like I said, if we can get another, another couple arms in there, because why not? That's, that's why I wanted to get another guy like David Bednar just because like, why not? Why? And it's a very gettable asset and it's not, a bad thing to have a million guys who can throw like, as the Rays have said, a stable full of guys to throw a hundred miles per hour is why not have the best bullpen in the league. If we're really trying to win it, that's, that's a win it all move uh, paired with something else. Like there's not a guy on the market that I feel like there's going to be available at the deadline. Like last deadline, there was Trevor story to just go grab him. Like that's a big name. Obviously he's not out this year, but you look at the rest of the people like, the, the World Series moves are the small ones. Like, like David, go get a David Bednar, go get another, uh, like, depth bat or something like that, maybe a center fielder, and then go win a World Series. That's the moves. And that's why I'm saying, I don't know, I kind of went on a tangent there. But uh, for Hicks, I mean, it's just Hicks. He I, sucks. I he's, just, he's just not um, – he doesn't move the needle for me. He needs to be replaced. I think I think more so this is a buy because he like like Donaldson was due for positive regression. He was due for negative regression because he had such a hot start to the season. It's clearly not going to get the thirty for 30-30 that he promised us. But I I think um, 
this is more par for the course for our avid golfer in Aaron Hicks. Uh, he's going to be doing more of this. Um, I think he's still, he's surprisingly still healthy. So snaps to him for the, um, I'll buy that. I, I'm not sure I'll buy the health, but um, I don't know. I, I think he, he's going to, he's a little bit better than that last 15. I think it's somewhere in between his first month and the last 15 games is where he'll probably end for the year. If he stays healthy. I think he's a two. I think he'll finish here somewhere in the neighborhood of two ten to two twenty. He'll probably hit like fifteen home runs. He'll yeah. walk yep. some. He'll pop out a bunch. He, I just don't think he's very <coughs> useful he, anymore. He's a good if, bench bat. He would be phenomenal if he was fast and good at defense. I could deal with uh, everything else, but he's slow and terrible at defense and lazy. Yeah. So, I mean, the only thing he's got really is that he's a switch hitter who gets on base, kind of. I mean, I don't, I don't know what his OBP is, but. I think it's like 333, which isn't even great by his standards. Yeah. So, I don't know. Wait, All no. right. I think that'll be it for us for this episode. We got to go run and do uh, that baseball watching thing that we like to do, and we can report on that. But this is a little bit short. One apologize for that. Apologize for my connection. It's probably been pretty shitty, but you guys are the best, and you guys will will keep plugging away and deal with it. So we appreciate you guys for tuning in. And as always, if you leave us a five star review on iTunes, that'd be very, very, very helpful. We love you guys, and we'll catch you on the next one. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.